Hello brothers and sisters in Christ and welcome once again to another episode of Interpreting the Word of God with Dr. DeLeon. I am Dr. DeLeon and I am pleased that you are joining us here listening with us. Uh, and so today what we're going to do is we want to continue where we left off during uh, our podcast last. And that is the podcast was uh, titled Redemption Through the Blood of the Lamb Part 1. Uh, that was the last uh, episode that we had. And so this is going to be Redemption Through the Blood of the Lamb Part 2. And so while we covered the book of Ephesians chapter 1 the last time around, we're going to get into chapter 2 today. And uh, I want to recap or uh, revisit some of what we discussed during the last podcast in case you missed it. And then we'll get straight into the chapter uh, chapter 2 today. And so originally this is a uh, letter or epistle that is written by the Apostle Paul at around 60 to 62 AD. And uh, the context is that Paul is incarcerated and there are some religious philosophies that are beginning to emerge and impact Asia Minor, impact Christianity in the area. And so Gnosticism is one of those philosophies that is said to be uh, alive and well around that time period. And so as Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, uh, the people that he actually spent three years developing and ministering to and equipping um, he is writing this epistle. It is, it is believed from a Roman prison. Uh, that's where he is incarcerated at. And so what we alluded to the last time we spoke is that Ephesians chapter 1 refers to the redemption that we have in Christ. And I spoke about how when you read through Ephesians chapter 1, there are so many references to Jesus, to God, or you use pronouns such as him, his, he, and those pronouns are all referring to God. And what we found in that first section was that Paul is conveying that through the faith in Jesus Christ, what we have is redemption that has been purchased by Jesus Christ, and that redemption has come by the shedding of his blood. And so it is important for us to remember when we said we were talking about redemption, what that word actually means is that there is a payment that has been made. In other words, you and I, we were tethered or we were, uh, shall we say, caught up, tangled up in sin and all that sin brings, which of course includes a spiritual death and eventually uh, ends up with people going to hell. And so I know that's not a popular subject nowadays, but the Bible does speak about heaven and hell. We do have a choice of eternal life in heaven or uh, eternal damnation in hell. And so uh, what Paul alluded to in chapter 1 is that we were redeemed through the blood of the Lamb. And what that means is that the ransom was paid for us to be freed from the entanglement that we had in sin and death and all that that entails. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to be going into chapter 2 and we're going to build on what we discussed last time with the redemption of Christ. And we're going to hear about what Paul is sharing with the church at Ephesus in this second chapter. And so we're going to hear words like, he made you alive while you were dead. So you hear this contrast between life and death. Uh, you once walked according to the prince of the air, right? We were disobedient. 
meaning so we should now be obedient. Uh, we conducted ourselves in a manner in which we were obeying the lust of our flesh and desires of our mind. And again, of course, what we should be doing is following the Lord. Uh, God had mercy on us that we're dead. And then he made us alive. So again, you have a contrast. And it tells us that the scripture says we were made alive through Christ. Uh, and so, of course, one of the most popular verses we probably uh, have heard, if you've spent any time in Christendom, any time in the church, any time in uh, going to a Bible study or studying the Word of God, you may have heard this scripture that states, For by grace you have been saved through faith not of ourselves it is the gift of god not of works lest any man should boast and so we'll hear that and that's kind of the theme verse for today's study and then you'll hear other language like we were afar off but now we were brought near uh, we basically were in turmoil but now he himself jesus christ is our peace and of course since we were outsiders we did not have access to god we couldn't come into the jewish temple and go into that area where there's a holy of holies in which the the high priest would come and access uh, God once a year for the forgiveness of sins of the people. We didn't have access to that. Even the Jewish people themselves, while they had the men had access to certain inner parts of the chambers of the temple, only the high priest once a year had to sanctify himself. He had to sprinkle blood on himself, and he had to sanctify himself, and then. Once he was sanctified, go into the Holy of Holies, which is a special place where the presence of God is said to have come down. And there he addresses the sins of the people and God will forgive them their sins. Now, in this, in this time and period that we're living in, we're no longer living under the law. We're no longer living under Old Testament times. We're living under grace. We're living on this side of the cross. We're living after Jesus Christ has died been buried and resurrected and so in chapter 2 as we hear these verses uh, I want you to listen very carefully for some of that language that I've shared with you and so I'm going to be reading out of the NASB that stands for the New American Standard Bible and so there are uh, many different uh, translations of scripture out there you can you can read the NIV you can read the the King James version the New King James version the amplified version the NASB which I'm reading from today and so you may be and have wondering well what does all that mean brother you know there's so many Bibles I don't even know which one is right or which one I should be reading uh, the bottom line brothers and sisters is if you were to think of a of a number line say like in math uh, if you remember, we usually had a zero in the middle, and then there was like negative numbers to the left of the zero and r positive numbers to the right of the zero on that number line. Well, think of that number line uh, as not, not so much a number line, but let's think of uh, conservative on the left, where all the negative numbers would have been, and then uh, liberal to the right, where all the positive numbers are, and then right in the zero, right in the middle of the t of the uh, number line that's where the niv version would have fallen and so you might be wondering well brother can you clarify that a little bit more i'm, a, I'm an understanding what i'm saying is this if you read something like the king james version or the new king james version or this uh, new american standard bible version that i'm reading those would be those translations of the bible would have been found on the far left side where they're very conservative they try to stick to the original message that was written in the original uh, Hebrew and Old Testament uh, Greek and Aramaic and New Testament if you're if you remove the vows and and all these uh, art and 
different uh, verbiage or vernacular that is used in the Old English and bring it up to today's up-to-date terms of how you and I speak in today's language, then the NIV version is where you would be, okay, the Bible's still the, the same message, but it's using today's day and age language so I can better understand it. If you go further to the right, where there's more liberal translations of the Bible, if you go too far right, you'll hear things like the Amplified Version, and those are versions where people are actually interpreting the Word of God for you and giving you their opinion of what the scripture says. So me personally, I like to study out of the New King James Version and the King James Version. I like to read that and then go to the NASB and the NIV to hear a more up-to-date uh, message. And then, of course, we do studies, uh, go back and look and to see that the message coming across is still the same. So that's a part of, of studying the Bible. And so as I read in ASB today, we're going to begin with this uh, second chapter of Ephesians, beginning at verse 1. And I want to read some things to you and then interpret a few things. And then from there, we'll we'll move on to the second part of Ephesians and finish off uh, today's podcast, which is the second part of what we began on redemption this uh, time last week. So the scripture reads as follows. And you were dead in your offenses and sins in which you previously walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them too, we all previously lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the boundless riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works with which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And so this is the, this is the first uh, 10 verses here. And, and so I want to uh, just kind of take apart, I want to unpack uh, the word, if you if you listen to what is being said, uh, the contrast is you were dead in your sins and your offenses, and but now uh, you have this opportunity to basically be free. Remember, chapter one was about you have been redeemed, you have been set free from those things, those entanglements of sin and all that came along with that. Well, I wonder, I want you to remember that at this time period, uh, we're living in a Greek world. Uh, excuse me, a Roman world, and the Roman world uh, includes the Roman gods with a small g, and those Roman gods, they actually uh, are the same gods of the Greek world, except that they changed the names. And so you have the same gods, but now you're actually following the Roman names. And so, uh, for example, and you may or may not know this, but some of the planets that you hear about, such as uh, uh, Mercury and Venus and so forth, some of those are actual names of gods as they believed at that time. And you go back to 
to Greek times, you may hear names like Aphrodite and so forth, like the goddess of love and so forth. Uh, if you go back far enough into Mesopotamian times, uh, you're going to find that there was a god of the storms, of the rain, there was a god of the wind, there was a god of uh, fertility and so forth. And so the people that are living in this area, even though it's been many years since the time of uh, Mesopotamia in which we read where Abraham comes and spend some time, there are still people believing in gods of gold and silver and wood and, and so forth. Uh, you can read some of this in the book of Jeremiah where he speaks about how his people are bowing down to these different kinds of, of gods. In fact, if you read about Moses and the time that he actually is liberating or is leading his people, God's people out of uh, Egyptian captivity, you find that uh, while Moses goes up into the mountain to speak with God, the people get bored and tired and impatient and they begin to actually make a god to themselves of gold and they make a golden calf. And so um, these are the areas that uh, include all these different cultural beliefs and different religious systems. And so Paul is speaking to these individuals and explaining to them, look, you're living in these fleshly, lustful times. You're, you're, you're having all these uh, uh, lusts and you're indulging in your desires of the flesh and you and I were in that same bunch in other words but he's saying but God was he was merciful with us he was he's rich in mercy the Bible tells us that his mercies are renewed daily uh, he says he says in, in this same verse but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us well if you think about it in other parts of the scripture we find that the scripture tells us while we were yet sinners Christ died for us there's another area in the scripture that says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord well what does that mean what it means is the paycheck that you that you're receiving that you should be receiving your payment for your sins should be death. But instead of receiving death, again, you, this word is used, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in other words, instead of receiving eternal damnation, you get the opportunity to live in heaven and live eternal life with him in peace and love and basking in his presence. And so what chapter 2 is telling us is that we've been made alive in Christ though we were dead before and so as you continue to read through the scripture here what we find is that and the key verse we spoke about earlier is you can't earn your way to heaven you you can give to the poor you can give to the salvation army you can go help Elf Louise uh, you can give to the poor you can go out feeding people uh, you can give to multiple charities you can be a good person and, and caring and loving with other people you can tithe but none of those things are going to get you into heaven. Even though we are required to be good stewards and tithe and, and, and we're supposed to demonstrate our love unto others, the scripture tells us by this others know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. So yes, we should be conveying that love and showing that love and being kind and gentle and so forth with other people and demonstrating the love of Christ unto them. But that is not going to get you to heaven. Those are things you should be doing because you've been forgiven, because God expects those things from you. So the only way to get to heaven, the only way to be forgiven, the only way to be justified, the only way to be redeemed, as we heard in chapter 1, 
The only way for that to happen is that the ransom was paid, as we heard in chapter 1. And so what he's telling us in chapter 2 is, you've received this by the grace of God. You've received this because he's merciful. You've received this because not only is he rich in mercy, but because he loved you, because he loved us. And he chooses to give this to us as a gift. And so not all the money in Fort Knox, not all the emeralds and diamonds and, and, and rubies and all the oil in uh, the Middle East, uh, none of that altogether, the riches and the money that will come from that is enough to purchase this salvation that Christ is giving, that God is giving to us freely. And that's the message that is being sent, that we cannot earn this. We can't earn our way to heaven. It's just you have to come to the Lord. And so verses 11 through 22, we hear that we're to remember that we were previously Gentiles in the flesh. Uh, So we were called the uncircumcision by circumcision. Well, what does that mean, brother? What it means is those people that were Jewish, they were the people of God. They were the ones that were called to be the people of God, represent God, and serve God. And the Gentiles were all those that were not Jewish people. The Jewish people had the temple. They had a place where they'd come and worship God and praise God and get forgiveness of sins. And they only served the one God. They didn't serve all these other gods. We have to remember that not only were people bowing down to these gods of of wood and silver and gold and whatnot, making little statues to themselves and whatnot. Uh, Also, there were some situations in some places where people would have sexual orgies as a part of giving a sacrifice unto their God, so to speak. And so Paul is conveying here, you're not living, you're not to continue living as you were Gentiles in the flesh before doing all these things that you used to do. You are no longer strangers. You are no longer far off. But now you have been brought near. You've been brought close to God. You have, you no longer are divided by that wall that uh, divided us before but rather what has happened is he's abolished the flesh, abolished the hostility of, of living in the flesh and given us peace and being reconciled unto Christ, unto God through Jesus Christ. And so this peace we have is not peace necessarily that the whole world's at peace, but rather we have peace with God. Uh, we, don't, we don't have that enmity anymore. We, we have peace with him. We have peace that when we die, that we have a heavenly home that he's gone to prepare for us to return to. And so as I end, I want to tell you that the Bible conveys to us that we are no longer strangers. This is verse 19, chapter 2. We are no longer strangers and foreigners, but we are fellow citizens and saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the cornerstone. And we'll spend some other time speaking about what the cornerstone means and uh, spend some more time on the foundation at a later time. But for now, thank you again for joining me. Again, I'm Dr. DeLeon. You can join us at 1208 Amherst uh, in San Marcos, Texas, if you don't worship with us uh, face-to-face. And until then, God bless you is my prayer, and we hope that you'll join us again. God bless you.